Hey everybody, welcome to The Well. My name is Christian and I'm so glad that you're here. Our hope is that during your time with us, you can acquire some relevant and practical resources to aid you in your journey with teenagers. This is episode 11, which is all about conflict and communication. So without further ado, welcome to The Well. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Well Podcast. How long, how long has it been? It's been a while. It's been Welcome. almost, almost a year since a we've been back. Hey, um, my name is Christian. I'm uh, a staff here at the CLC. At Nadine Turner, Turner, staff member at CLC as well. And we oversee, uh, uh, we oversee the student ministry, but we also do this podcast every now and then. Um, yeah, it's been a whole stinking year almost since we've been on this podcast, but just a refresher, this is a podcast for the imperfect parent, uh, for the imperfect coach, leader, anyone who engages in any capacity with teenagers. And the hope is that we can kind of wrestle through really important topics that are both relevant and practical in your lives so that we can all grow because discipling teenagers isn't easy. No, it's difficult. And we really have no idea what we're doing. There's no script. Yeah. We don't know who to talk to. There's we no don't, book. No. I mean, there's books, but none of them like help and get the job done. And right. this podcast is not going to be like the solution, right. but we hope it's one tool in the toolbox for you all. So, no, and to be honest, at the rate we put out podcasts, you're in this for like the next <laughs> yeah. five years. I know, right? So. The next time you hear from us might be like eight months from now. We don't know. Um, but we appreciate your patience, your graciousness with us. Um, our hope is to kind of resume these podcasts um, to provide uh, kind of resources. And the cool thing is we actually, since we've uh, last done our last episode, we started a group called CLC Parents. And what we do on the second Sunday of every month here at the CLC is we actually just talk through these topics in person. We wrestle with them together. Um, usually the class or the group consists of parents of teenagers or even kids. Like we have yeah. some parents of young kids coming out just to kind of preteens, preteens, yeah, yeah. Um, just to try and grow and, and get and, and grow in their knowledge, but then their ability to, to disciple their teenager. And so what we what we're doing for the podcast now is we're kind of synthesizing these notes that we gather in these sessions, and we're just kind of going over them again for people who aren't a part or for people who are interested in learning more. And so that's what we're doing, right? That's or like, people who you can't listen, you can't come to the class, yeah. or maybe your little ones prevent you from coming to the class, but you want to join in yeah uh, this is a, just another avenue to stay connected to clc parents yeah that's a great point so um so wanted to provide some of that context and of course i know we had a, a dream of doing a lot of other types of episodes and we hope to resume some of those um but we invite you to kind of join us for the ride it's going to be fun hopefully helpful um and it'll be great so yeah you ready to jump in today thanks for tuning back in yeah right uh, okay um so this is episode 11 uh, it's been so long, like the only episode 11. Um, and today we're we wanted to talk about a, um, a topic that we feel like is pretty relevant, that a lot of parents are dealing with this with their teenagers, and we wanted to try and understand what is going on and then provide some maybe uh, ways that we can respond to it so we can care for our teenagers. So today, episode 11 is all about conflict and communication. This is part mm, one. one. Yeah. It's an easy one, right? And that summarizes what it's like to, uh, to raise teenagers. Yeah. Conflict just... <laughs> and communication. Yeah. There's a, not very positive words, but I'm summarizes sure. Summarizes what it's like. Yeah, conflict, which, um, yeah, if you're any normal parent, and, and, and I'm going to be a parent, um, I, I, my wife is expecting twins, but if you're going to be a parent, I feel like these are two things. I mean, in any relationship that we deal with is communication and conflict, and they're kind of very intertwined together. Um, yeah. So 
hopefully. Topic. Yeah, it's a great topic. So this is part one. We hope to continue to unpack this topic because we can't do it in one session. Um, but yeah, um, we use this resource in this group. Uh, it's from a book called Practical Theology by Richard Osmer. And uh, I just wanted to highlight it real quick before we jump in, because this is kind of what guides our discussions. But we always ask four questions. The first two is, uh, you know, I don't like to go to the doctor, but my wife's like, you should go to the doctor more often just to be a healthy individual. You should eat healthy, all this fun stuff. I'm not very good at it, that. Um, but uh, usually what happens when you go to the doctor or any, you know, physician, um, they try and diagnose the situation and then prescribe a response, whether that's medication or just something that you need to do to take care of yourself. And so these four questions kind of do just that. The first two help us diagnose what is going on because a doctor would be a bad doctor if they just prescribed you stuff without understanding what is going on. And so in the same way with our teenagers, with our life situations, we want to understand first what is going on so that we can respond in the best way. And so the first two questions are to do just that, are to diagnose the situation. And then the second two questions are to uh, provide a thoughtful um, well thought out response so that we can best speak to the situation at hand and best serve our students. And so um, we'll come to these questions a lot. I mean, we do them almost we every use month. Them every every class. And they're super helpful um, because I think a lot of times what happens, and I'm guilty of this, is I just react and I respond without trying to understand what's really going on. Um, what's the real issue at hand? Have you done that before? Oh, all the time. Yeah, the time. a couple of times. Yeah. Knee-jerk reaction. Yeah. Just react first and then respond later. But no, we should really um, contemplate our response before yeah. we react, especially with the teenagers. Yeah, especially because, too, like a, the, the biggest thing we want is um, for our, our the parents and the teenagers to thrive in their relationship. And sometimes moments in um, conflict or moments of communication or miscommunication can really bear huge impact on the nature of the relationship. And so our objective is to help prioritize the relationship um, while we navigate some conflict and some communication. So um, should be real easy. <laughs> Were you ready to jump in? I'm ready to jump in. Do you want to go yep. ahead and ask the first yep. question? So the first question that we want to um, unpack is we want to say to ourselves, what is going on? Yeah. What What's going on? What's happening? What What is what's going on? And that sounds like a simple question, like uh, me and my kid are arguing. That's what's going on. Um, but the, the heart of Richard Osmer in his book says, offer a thick description, like get all of the details, try and identify all of the symptoms of the issue uh, instead of glossing anything over. Um, and so in our meeting with parents, we kind of... <laughs> kind of popcorned ideas of like, this is what I sense is going on when me and my teenager are fighting. Um, well, the first one of them being is that uh, a lot of times, you know, and I remember being a young kid and I was kind of awkward and you know, I'm learning how to communicate. Yeah, right. I'm learning how to communicate and sometimes I would just off the cuff say things without having any understanding or any idea of how that would impact people. And let's be real, adults do this too, by the way. This isn't a thing that's bound just to teenagers, um, but adults are without excuse, I guess, or hopefully they've learned their impact words. But anyway, our first objective of what is going on, sometimes we find that students might say things, and adults too, um, say things and they don't fully understand how that impacts the other person. Right? They could say things, even with tone, like sometimes people um, under uh, underappreciate how impactful tone is, um, body language, all these things. So sometimes what we communicate comes off in ways that we do not anticipate or expect or intend. 
and they can rub people the wrong way. Yeah. I'm guilty of that, and I think anybody who's ever been married yeah. is guilty yeah. of that, right? For sure. Um, so that's one thing that's going on in, in kind of the midst of this, and I think students are learning to communicate too, right? Um, we have to be extra gracious with them because they're learning how to be adults, and so um, we want to help teach them and guide them along the way, just as the, hopefully they're teaching us about ourselves. Um, but you know, sometimes conflict can come about sure. because people say things, and man, that just rubbed me the wrong way, or that hurt me, or you know, all the above. So that's one thing. Yeah. Well, and here's what happens is when uh, the teenagers respond, parents get frustrated. Yeah. We get mad. <laughs> they say the most cutting things to us, and we get so frustrated, yeah. and, and like rightfully so. They say things that just cut us to yeah. the core. Um, and one of the things that parents often uh, we miss the mark on is that we confuse a whole bunch of issues yeah. together. We lump all the issues together. Yeah. Um, I had a mentor once say to me, uh, keep the main thing the main thing. Mm, so good. when you're talking about issues with your student, keep the main thing the main thing. Don't confuse issues that's, that's confusing to them. Um, don't bring up the past or mm. don't bring up a history of, uh, <laughs> well, I see this track record of you behaving yeah. this way. Yeah, Just good. deal with what is in the moment, the main thing. Um, and we do get frustrated, but try to hold back yeah. that frustration at the moment and then understand really what is going on. Yeah, that's a really, really good point. And I think that frustration then, you know, it's kind of a, a feedback loop where one person gets frustrated and that causes the other and so on and so forth. But maybe one person or even the parents can help break that cycle and not maybe react so quickly, which is why we go through this process. Um, the next thing I want to mention is, uh, you know, we have to understand the, the uh, psychological, the physiological developments that students are undergoing in this season, especially the social developments. And one thing that, um, that is identified in this season of adolescence is that they're learning to become more independent. Um, they're learning to kind of do life on their own. They're experimenting uh, with just being cognitively and socially independent. And so a byproduct of that is that they might, you know, um, they might exercise that independence in their relationship with you. And so they might make their decisions. Opinion. And their, their opinion. opinion. Yeah, yeah, which is a great thing. Yeah. That's good because they're learning to think cognitive, like their, their cognitive abilities are growing. And so they'll have different opinions than you. Uh, and that could lead to conflict, right? And so that is part of this kind of situ this plight here when conflict and communication are, um, you know, there's you're experiencing some tension. Is that is that students are growing, and experiencing independence for the first time in their lives, and they're going to dabble with that. They're going to experiment with that. Um, see maybe how far they can push the envelope. But that's a relatively normal part, I feel like, of adolescent development. And so, but that might create conflict. So that's just un we're understanding what's going on. So yeah. that's one of them. So also, when you're unpacking what's going on, you have to think about your student or your child. Um, are they hungry? Seriously, they're yeah. hangry? Are they responding in this way because they're hangry? Um, are they alone and feeling insecure? Yeah. Are they tired? Are you trying to have a conversation about an issue when they've just woken up or they're on their way to bed or they were just walked in the door from school? So you have to think about um, how, how they're feeling. You have to think about the situation. Um, and the what can happen is when you try to have these conversations at the wrong time, mm. uh, that can just be an explosive. That can just be the perfect storm yeah. for just explosion, just 
combative, they'll just be negative off the bat yeah. because they're tired or hungry or it's the wrong time to have a conversation. Yeah, I'm 28 and I still get hangry and sometimes <laughs> I don't true. treat people very well because of it, right? <laughs> um, yeah, so that's our first question, what is going on? And the second question, which we dabbled with a little bit already, um, is why is this going on? The first question I forgot to say is called the descriptive task and this one is the interpretative task and we're interpreting why is this happening? We just talked about what's going on with conflict, you know, social development, all these things. And now let's talk about why it's going on. So do you want to cover the first one for us? So, um, so why is it going on? Students are undergoing cognitive and emotional and physical development. And a byproduct of this journey is that emotions can fluctuate greatly. They are, it is an emotional roller coaster. Uh, when you are, your hormones are changing, yeah. you are Friends are changing, your, everything is changing, um, and so you're just trying to keep up with that. It could be like the flip of a switch, oh, right? Oh, sure. Yeah, I mean, that's relatively normal. Yeah. I think and I read somewhere it's yeah. relatively All normal. All of that is normal. Yeah, so um, so that could definitely explain why there might be some conflict. There's a lot yeah. of uh, there's a lot of ebb and flows of stuff going on. Sure. Um, the second thing is, you know, students, uh, and <laughs> some adults fall into this category, if we're being honest, but some people like just don't know how to handle conflict yet, right? Sure. Uh, a young student who's growing socially and developing and kind of gathering these social skills and tools for life, they may not know the appropriate means by which to address conflict. And so just like a lot of other skills that we have in life, this is something they need to practice, something that they need uh, assistance in, like great care and love for in um, to help guide them in how to navigate conflict. And so this is a great teaching opportunity to help um, them learn and grow. And this is also not something, and maybe this is more prescriptive, but not something that has to fall on the shoulders of the parents, but we'll get to that um, a little more later. But yeah, they're learning how to handle conflict, and so they're trying to actually develop these skills for conflict resolution. That's another reason why this is happening. Sure, and a great big hurdle for teenagers this uh, right currently is that they're so wrought with busyness. These teenagers mm. are so busy. They have jobs and sports and extracurricular activities, and mm. they just seem busier than we were as kids. I mean, yeah. I know my kids are busier than I ever was Holy as a cow. teenager. Yeah. Uh, so that causes a lot of fatigue. And on top of all of that, students now have to wrestle with what their identity is going to be. Yeah. Um, are they going to be goth or athletic or yeah. so they all we experienced those things when we were growing up and now they have to identify with male or female they have to yeah. decide yeah. who they're going to be like yeah. it's even all the way down to their gender yeah. so there's just a lot there's such a lot going on with yeah. what they're trying to identify there's a lot yeah and identity formation is huge uh, and it's much more complex nowadays with the advent of technology because you could have multiple identities that you're trying yeah. to manage and so that makes people quite uh, vulnerable and susceptible to great conflict and stress and sure. fight or flight type thing. So um, yeah, I would not want to be a teenager nowadays. And I love teenagers, I love caring for them, but like my goodness, it's, it's challenging. Yeah. So um, so yeah, so this is the, the descriptive, uh, that kind of concludes this descriptive portion or in the interpretative portion that there's just a lot going on beneath the surface. One of my mentors told me that a lot of times the conflict that you're fighting about isn't the real problem. Uh, it's just kind of the, the surface issue. It's kind of like the tip of the iceberg type thing. What we have to do is actually dig and, and get at the heart of what is happening because again, 
your doctor would be a terrible doctor if they did not do that and they just responded to your situation. So as parents, as coaches, as leaders, let's try and dig deep here and understand what our teenagers are experiencing so then we can respond in a way that is so life-giving for them. And that brings us to our third question, which um, I think, I don't know if the book talks about this, Richard Osmer's book, but this question is often the most neglected question, yet it is the most important of the four questions. And it is, what should be going on? And this is when your values as a family, your vision as a family, um, your, your theology, your Christian beliefs, whatever it might be, this is where these things actually come into play because they shape how it is that you wanna to respond to the situation. So what is going on is the normative task. It is you identifying in a perfect world what are we striving for? What is the vision here? Um, and so let's talk about that in conflict and communication. Yeah, for sure. Those are great teaching opportunities. So we walk right into this, what should be going on? And these are teachable moments. We can use these opportunities to help them understand our spiritual background. We can help them understand what is socially acceptable. Yeah. Um, and it, we're, there really are teachable moments. And we really want to engage uh, your child with and their family or the, and their neighbor yeah. e engage with everybody yeah and this is where like um i mean theology comes in too because we can um you know your values oh reconciliation is a huge part of the christian faith and so that is a value that could shape this and so what a great opportunity if you're experiencing conflict to teach your children about redemption and restoration and what it looks like to all contribute to that to make that happen so um yeah teaching opportunity is a big thing even as an adult like i still I mean, hopefully we're all always learning, but still trying to figure this out and figure out how we can better navigate conflict. So yeah, that's uh, one normative thing. The, the, another thing um, is as leaders and parents and teachers, we should be um, slower to react and more uh, quick to respond. And I, those words almost sound the same, but what I've understood them to be is when we react, it's like, I think of like science class when you're pouring in the chemicals into like the tubes and then like immediately like it bubbles up and explodes or whatever. That's kind of a reaction. Um, whereas a response is a very slow, um, a slow. Methodical. Yeah, me methodical, like you, you very thought out right. way to um, engage a situation. And so that's what we should be leaning into, which is really hard because that means we have to identify what it is that we're feeling, our frustration, our rage. We're not saying you can't feel those things, but what we're saying is feel those things and then engage with the teenager. Don't let those very valid emotions bear huge impact on how we engage um, with our student because a lot of times that can create more harm sure. than it does you know, uh, growth. And so feel all the things, um, identify those things in you, feel that frustration that you have. Um, but before we approach our teenagers, let's let those things subside. Let's think about how will we respond in a way that is, is healthy and will lead to life for both me and my teenager, and then let that shape the conversation instead of your probably very valid rage. So let's, uh, let's respond more than we react. And that's something that I need to grow in when I'm driving on the road, um, if I'm being very fair, candid. Fair so, point, fair uh, point. Yeah. <laughs> so when we model that, uh, for our young people, we are respecting them. So we need to show them respect in that in this situation of conflict, um, which can we can demonstrate that by you know staying calm and not matching their emotions. Nothing is more unproductive hmm. than when your child is coming at you emotionally 
wound up and yeah. you respond with that same amount of energy, yeah. that gets nowhere. <laughs> that is not um, that is that is not a healthy environment, and not, yeah. no conflict is going to be resolved um, in that uh, situation. So we really need to respect our teenagers. Yeah. And not just demand that they respect us, but show them respect. Yeah. You respect them. And it's modeling. We're showing them how, and that's kind of a part of the teaching of teaching them how to navigate conflict too. So um, easier said than done. For sure. <laughs> uh, the next thing is um, I think once kind of emotions subside, b having very candid conversations about the impacts of words and decisions. Um, because again, students are learning um, socially they're um, learning to think more critically and abstractly. So the ability to think outside of themselves about um, you know, someone else's experience, to grow in empathy, these things. And so we have the opportunity to explain to students the impact of words and actions that they don't happen in a vacuum, but, but they impact people. They, in, they leave an imprint on people, right? And so then as we navigate that, they can then explain to us, hopefully, and hopefully we receive it very well, how we've impacted them with our words and our actions. And so they're learning. I remember I would say things flippantly when I was younger, right? And I think we all have, just not knowing the full impact of our words on people and so create space where they could learn that um, because some students and uh, some adults might say things and they have very little understanding of the impact or impression they're having on other people and so let's not let that be a blind spot let's openly address that let's teach our students how to think abstractly in that way as they teach us um, our own impact on them and so that's another thing and that is um it's a really hard thing to do because it demands honesty, but if that's a value in a Christian household, honesty, then we want to embrace that. If confession is a value in a Christian household, which it should be, then let's embrace that. Let's honestly reflect on how we've impacted others, and let's, let's confess our wrongdoing. Say, you're right, and I'm sorry I impacted you in that way. Um, so just really good holistic practices. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good info. Um, yeah. And then uh, I'll skip that part. Okay. And uh, we'll go to the fourth question. So, um, fourth question. So now we've talked about these things. Uh, how do we get there? That's the next question. Yeah. How do we get there? So yeah. we've, we've learned all these little tools and these practices, things to be aware of, yeah. um, these little tips, but how, how do we actually get there? Yeah, and that's a good question. This is where we are pursuing the normative, that third question. So the thing that we just talked about, the normative, how do we bring that to life? Because this is fun and all to talk about and listen to on this really cool podcast, um, but what, what's the point if it's not actually bearing impact on our lives? And so the first, um, the first thing that we kind of talked about is, as parents, trying to, um, it's kind of like a, a baseball team especially sports nowadays, they practice so much. Like, it's insane. So it's like five days a week they practice for, like, maybe a game they have that weekend. I think the same should be the case in households. Like, you and your, your spouse come up with a plan beforehand, like, in anticipation of the conflict and the communication breakdown that will happen. Try and come up with a plan, a response that you have uh, for not if those things happen, but when they happen, so that you are more than prepared, right? You've, you've kind of practiced this mentally, you've worked through the nuances of this, have a plan in place so that when it happens, you can proactively respond. Uh, and one of those things is um, uh, sometimes parents can sub in and out, uh, which sounds kind of silly. Like I do like the sports metaphor, but sometimes you can sub in and out, right? Uh, depending on the context of the situation, maybe there's a conflict between uh, you know mom and son, maybe the dad can try and step in and try and help 
uh, help speak to that situation and create space for them, you know, mom to come in and mom and son to then work through that, right? Um, so it's trying to create a system and a response in advance um, so that you're not caught off guard when it happens. So yeah. um, that's one thing we could do. Yeah. I'll just speak to that for a second. I feel like, no, as I'm, we're raising teenagers, my husband and I, I don't feel like we ever sat down and had like a, here's what we're going to do when this situation or, yeah, arises. Yeah. And honestly, it looks like a WWF ring. and Yeah, we're switching out. We're tag teaming yeah. out. And um, the reality is there are some, some of our, we have six children, some of our kids just respond better to Brian. So yeah. there are a handful of kids that he kind of handles all of the things, yeah, yeah. all of the discipline and social, emotional, and, and then there are the handful of kids that, that I connect better with. Yeah. And so we kind of balance things out. And that's uh, not a bad thing. Sure, for right? sure. Because you guys probably are both gifted and wired in different ways. Yeah. And so um, are our kids. They, yeah. they, re they respond to us differently. Yeah. And so I think it's slowing down enough to think about, hey, you know, what gifts do you me and my spouse bring to the table that can serve, you know, our kids really well uh, and, you know, can help us navigate this conflict really well. Um, so it's, it's, it has to be thoughtful. Like yeah. we can't resolve conflict just by, you know, very quickly or easily, but I think it takes, it's prudent to kind of come up with some plans or a game plan to navigate that. So, yeah. yeah. So, um, so how do we get there? The other step we can take is to have conversations. Mm lots of conversations and some I've heard and I work with teenagers and parents I have a lot of parents say to me my teenager never talks my yeah. I can never get my child to talk to me yeah. so I I always say um, in that moment are, are well are you a good listener so mm. are you as a parent just trying to get a tidbit of information out of your child so that you can say what mm. you need to say, your yeah. monologue about the situation. So we need to be really good uh, conversationalists. We really need to know how to, uh, the conversation is all about being a good listener. It's yeah. not just about asking the right questions. Mm. It's about being a good listener. It's being okay with, you know, not having the time to tell your side of the story, but building that relationship to just listen to your student um, or your child. And also those conversations have to be met with grace and compassion. We have to yeah. understand and know that our, our kids are gonna say things to us that we don't agree with, mm -hmm. we don't even wanna hear about. Um, if you're a parent out there and your child is a gamer, trust me, parents, <laughs> we, we yeah. hate hearing about the games. Yeah. We hate hearing about the battles. Yeah. I don't care about your Minecraft world. <laughs> um, I don't understand it. I'm never going to play, so but I will let my child run on yeah. for 15 minutes or more yeah. about how they've created a library with a bed and a waterfall <laughs> and ducks. Yeah, so I, you, you have to really want to listen and, and that changes your yeah. child's whole attitude. Once they realize that you're listening about things that they care about, they might be more open to have a difficult conversation, yeah. um, so, but it might start small yeah. with small conversations, but I feel like conversations are a foundation. Yeah. Um, of this resolution. And I appreciate what you mentioned too, like relationship, because I think the ultimate goal here is relationship. Uh, and the worst thing that could happen is, you know, uh, we shut our, you know, shut our kids down to the point where they, the ultimate objective first is that we pr try and preserve the relationship. Because again, the worst thing that could happen is, you know, we shut our kids down, we don't listen to them. And then they decide, well, I'm not gonna go to mom or dad about this anymore because they didn't listen to me. 
and, 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 and we say this with the understanding of like, hey, let's all be super gracious with ourselves. This isn't to guilt or shame anybody because um, I've gotten it wrong and I know you, know you mentioned that you guys have not done it perfectly so there's no guilt and shame in that but the hope is that we're growing but yeah we don't want our teenagers to never be able to approach us again um, I think the the suffering through the Minecraft conversations and the video game conversations is a far better alternative than you know our teenagers no longer coming to us about things that are important and meaningful for them so um, really good point wanted to emphasize the relationship in that but then the last thing uh, we wanted to mention is for the how do we get their portion is you know you could be doing all these things really well right and but your kid still might be quiet may not be talking to you um, that's that's okay that's not totally abnormal I hope that you know we could do things to to help create those lines of communication but sometimes you could just be doing things really really well and find that your teenagers not talking so something that we always recommend um, is to have another non-parental adult investing in your teenager it could be a coach, it could be a leader, it could be a youth pastor, it could be a pastor, or just someone in the church. Like, have someone who's committed to pouring into your teenager, um, because your teenager may not want to approach you about some conversations, which is relatively normal. Like, don't feel bad about that. I think that's, in my experience with teenagers, that's relatively normal. But the, the hope is that to, uh, to accommodate for that or account for that, try and have or point you know have a few people in your life that you know are pouring into your teenager are checking in with your teenager have a, a relationship with your teenager um, because then they can hopefully be another adult in your teenager's life that they can go to if they want to share something if they're not maybe wanting to share that with you and that's a really hard thing to do um, that's not exciting the prospect of teenagers not talking to you know us um, but I think you know in this world uh, it's just prudent and and, and mindful to have other people investing in teenagers. Uh, there's a book called Sticky Faith. We might have talked about it before. This idea that, you know, have for every student, there should be five adults in their life who are pouring into them. Uh, usually studies show that the more adults, uh, even non-parental adults that are pouring into them, their faith can stick uh, long-term. And that's what we want. And so try and identify people in your life that you trust that care about you, that can be a presence in your, your teenager's life, show up to games, um, check in, or like whatever it might be, because uh, it's such a, a great thing. And that can help uh, in terms of communication and conflict, just having other people uh, invest in that. It really does take a village, and that's hard. So, um, Any final thoughts for things that uh, we missed? or No, I, I do have some, one final um, kind of challenge and, and, and thought. Um, since we get the privilege of working with your children, um, we get to know what they say. So what I ask my <laughs> students probing questions about parents and yeah. what they think about their parents. And parents, we want to give you some insider information. Yeah, this is the scoop. Here is what this your child is saying to mm. us uh, collectively. Uh, no names involved, but this <laughs> the, there's the kids are saying that the parents don't listen to me. Mm. I hear that so so often. Parents, your kids are telling us or me mm. that they think that you don't listen to them. So um, I challenge you to go over um, or dive deep into the steps that we've talked about and maybe you can use these tools to, to change the conversation and change the outcome. Um, now, granted, kids just say random and weird things and I know you all are amazing parents. You We're are. doing all of the things. Right. We're financially supporting them. We're yeah doing all the things that we should be doing. Yeah. But st we still have our students where we're feeling maybe disconnected from and our child is still telling people yeah. they don't listen to me. So um, I challenge you yeah. to um, 
unpack that a little bit and yeah. maybe not call your your child out and say hey do you think I don't listen to what you but no just you take the lead and start planting some some seeds of conversation yeah, in there and try to try to build some bridges um, with your child so they're not feeling um, insecure yeah and it, to, to add on that this is a really good point um, you could even you know one day uh, approach him say hey you know what would it look like or how can I better you know listen to you and support you uh, and see what they say. Like they may, they may, you know, give an answer that you may not agree with. Get away from me. Or like get away dinner. from me. Like this is a weird question. Um, oh yeah, you brought up a point. Like feed them first. Yeah, like yeah. take them out for you know ice cream, and then like when they're feeling like good. Uh, and that's not manipulative. That's just caring, right? Super um, manipulative. Yeah, <laughs> maybe it is. Um, but like, uh, but you know, uh, help them feel loved, and then maybe pose that question like, hey what would it look like for me to be a better listener to you? Yeah. Like, what would it look like for me to better care for you? And let them honestly answer. And you might disagree. That's okay. That's like their opinion. Let them share and then just say, okay, like, thank you so much for sharing that. That means a lot. I appreciate that. And that will foster just this culture of hopefully openness and honesty. And that is the, the most cherished thing that we could have in any relationship nowadays, especially with teenagers. And so it takes practice. Sure. Um, it takes uh, a response, not a reaction, and just kind of prayer and methodology and asking that the spirit would work in these situations too. So um, yeah, that was a fun, packed 30-minute uh, episode. Um, this is part one, as we said. Uh, we hope to continue the conversation about conflict and communication. We're going to offer some more resources in the coming weeks. Hopefully, uh, let's be honest, we don't know exactly um, how often we'll get the episodes out, but our hope right now is at least just to start back up once a month. Yeah. Um, but if you're listening and you like this type of communication, yeah. feedback would be wonderful and it might yes. motivate us to want to do this more frequently. Yes. So we yes. don't want to work in vain, but if you're liking this type of communication from yes. Student Ministry, uh, let us know. Give us a shout out of uh, an email or smoke signals. Any, anything. We'll Just take reach anything. out. That's very helpful. Yes. So um, as uh, as always, you can learn more by visiting our church website. It's clcfamily.church slash the well. That's our podcast page. Uh, in addition, if you want to learn more about the student ministry, what it is that we're doing, you can visit clcfamily.church slash students. And of course, you can always email either of us. My email address is christian at clcfamily.church. Nadine at clcfamily.church. Very easy. You can't, can't, can't mix that up. Can't lose that. So um, we hope to continue this journey. We're excited to be back. We hope that you're excited to be back. And I guess we'll see y'all next, we'll see you next episode. Time. All right. Adios. Bye.